0: July has really flown by for me, and I hope that you are all figuring out what school is going to look like in your own way. It is not nearly what I expected for us. It's looking like we're going to be homeschooling our kids, and there's a lot to that, especially since the California governor decided to cut funding for charters, and so we are largely being forced to homeschool through the district, but I am 100% convinced and committed that my kids will do just about as well as I do. (laughs) And so I am determined and bound to model positive behavior, positive thinking, keeping the hope, and I know this will be a positive experience for all of us if we set out to make it that way, right? So all the best to you wherever you are at. I'd love to hear what you're doing for schooling. So my guest today on episode 313 of the podcast is Elisa, and today she's sharing with me about her upbringing, the divorce she experienced in her family, her mother's alcoholism, and how that shaped her vision of how she was going to become the perfect mother and create the perfect family. And then, of course, life happens and things don't go as planned, including her daughter getting pregnant at age 16 while she was president of Mops, and the grace, really, that she was met with during that time, and how that really shifted her perspective as a mom, her role as a mom, and the grace she extends to others. It's a wonderfully inspiring conversation, and I can't wait for you to meet Elisa. All right, I'm so excited to be chatting with Elisa Morgan today. Hi, Elisa.
1: Hey, so good to be with you and everybody.
0: Yes, it is so good to be with you as well, especially since I stood
1: you up last week. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, at least I was just at my house and I wasn't sitting all embarrassed in a coffee shop, so that's, we're good. That's true. Have you ever been stood up on a date
0: before? I, have, I haven't, I oh, have
1: yeah. I don't think, but I didn't date <laughs> well, that not, much either. not a guy date, not a <laughs> yeah. guy date, but okay. definitely I've missed lunch appointments. And sometimes I've stood somebody up because yes. I've been messed up, so well, that and happens.
0: I, and I loved your attitude. You're like, I've done it before, and, and I said, I will pay it forward then to extend that grace. So I appreciate <laughs> your time today. You're quite an accomplished lady, Alisa, We have a lot to cover today.
1: Oh, don't feel any pressure. We'll just go where, you know what? I always say I'm old now. There's a lot of years under my belt. Sure. There's a lot of stuff on my resume. Sure. And even
0: still, I think people struggle to compare where they are, even if they're, you know, 15 years behind you, that we're still comparing your resume and your accomplishments to where we are right now or in business or wherever
1: it is. Do you feel like that, or have you seen that? Absolutely. I think sometimes, um, sometimes it's a matter of our enneagram type, if you will. (laughs) Some of us are more into comparisons than others. Sometimes it's an an element of our season in life. Um, You know, when we're young and we look around and we typically feel a little insecure, a little unchallenged, untried, unproven, if you will, then we can compare. And, and when we get older and have a bit more perspective, then we can usually understand that, I think this is the big deal, Jessica, I think we tend to think that there is just one little slice of power in life and we have to grab it. Mm-hmm. And the reality is that everybody has 100% of all the power they could ever have at any given moment. It's just us who need to lean into it and live into it
0: that is so beautiful. And that reminds me of like the analogy of the candle, like lighting somebody else's candle doesn't take away from your own. Right. And so there's just plenty of light. There's plenty of love. There's plenty of power, like you said, to go around and intuition and connection to God. So I love that. Well, Elisa, for people that don't know you yet, we just give a little snapshot on yourself and your family at the current time.
1: Sure, sure. I have been married 41 years, which is a really long time. Yes. And yet it doesn't seem like it. <laughs> uh, our, our kids are grown. They're in their mid to late 30s uh, a daughter and a son. We have two grandkids, one who is 16, one who is five. And, you know, life is, is good. Evan and I, my husband and I, are still working pretty much full time. Um, I, I work with our Daily Bread Ministries, doing a lot of stuff for them. And they also speak and write and blah, 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 stuff like that. I'm a a grandma, and I'm a neighbor, and I'm a friend. So I kind of have a a lovely pot that I love to stir, and I just stick different spoons in it about every hour to see, well, what am I doing today? (laughs) That
0: that is so much fun. And my mom says that being a grandmother is the greatest joy. Have you found that transition? Because I think as my oldest is only 10 right now and when i think of them leaving and growing up and leaving me it's like don't grow up right but then you get this beautiful new season if you welcome that right and we can look forward to that have you found that same transition
1: there's a little plaque we have at our home that says the best thing about grandchildren are hugs and tail lights <laughs> <laughs> and you know, that it's really true. They come and you just are 100% absorbed and then they go home. And, and that's a wonderful thing. But you know, it, it, there is a, a kind of a starry eyed wonder to grandparenting. But you know, I got to be honest, I came into it much earlier than I had planned. Mm-hmm. And that's part of my story. Um, so, you know, I, I think all of our lives don't usually run, at least in some season, according to our scripts. And and I think we have to recalibrate, uh, you know, just as you kind of referenced, we have to recalibrate and decide what are we gonna get out of what this next script is saying and right. describing for us.
0: Yeah, and some of those things are things maybe that involve choices that we make or you know decisions or whatever, and then some are beyond our control, right? And I think those are especially the hardest things where it's like, I didn't bring this on, I didn't ask for this, I didn't wanna be part of this club, right? But here you are, <laughs> and what are you gonna do with it regardless? Hey everyone, I wanted to pause to thank a show sponsor, and that is GladSkin. Skin. You've heard me talk about Jackson's eczema before. I mean, he's five years old now, and we still have not figured it out. But thanks to GladSkin, we've been using their cream twice a day, and it has literally been a lifesaver because Plaid skin is rooted in unique scientific understanding of the skin's bacteria, which often causes eczema flares. And when I notice him scratching, and then especially the bumpiness, I just feel for him. And I wanted to find a way to not just cure the symptom, but really get to the root of the issue. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes these topical creams, it clears up the bumps or the itchiness, but it comes right back. GladSkin is completely different from traditional steroids or over-the-counter moisturizers. It's free of everything you don't want. Steroids, fragrances, no drying alcohols, preservatives. And because it's rooted in science, it was developed in Europe actually by a team of clinicians and dermatologists. And actually what GladSkin does to make the science super simple, it deals with the bacteria of your skin. And what happens is when the bacteria gets out of balance, eczema flares up. And GladSkin restores balance to skin bacteria and your skin microbiome basically. So I know that's kind of complicated, but what's important to me as a mom is that A, it works, B, it's not full of toxic chemicals, and I can use it on my baby even three months and up. And since I've been using it on Jackson twice a day, he's not scratching nearly as much. And that makes me feel so much better as a mom. So if your child has eczema or you suffer yourself, I cannot recommend GladSkin anymore. You can order a bottle of GladSkin today by going to us.gladskin.com. That's us.gladskin.com backslash EEP and it's backed by a Gladness guarantee and you can try it risk-free for 60 days. Love it or it's your money back. Please let me know if you give this a try. I'm telling this to all my girlfriends right now, especially if they have babies, that you just want that baby soft skin and those bumps come and you just feel like there's nothing you can do. Well, here's something you can do. Try out GladSkin. That's us.gladskin.com slash EEP. So let's go back to your childhood, Elisa. I know that you had a lot of struggles even early on in your life. Will you give us a little bit of a picture of
1: that? Oh, sure, sure. My story is that I come from a broken family. It was broken first by divorce. It was my dad decided when I was five that uh, he didn't love my mom anymore and decided to divorce her. And then it was broken next through alcoholism, as I realized when I was a preteen, oh, my mom can't get out of bed in the morning. And as a single mom, I need to get her up to get her to go to work because we needed her paycheck. And you know, kids, kids are super resilient. Um, like you said, I didn't ask for any of those things, but as I grew to understand them, I became very resilient and very tenacious and and my commitment was, I am going to raise a perfectly intact second family. you know, I may have come from a broken family, but oh, wait till you see what I can do because by this time, I had discovered Jesus, and I thought, know, I've got the key, let's go, baby, <laughs> and you know, off I went looking for the perfect husband whom I found in heaven. <laughs> And we knew early that we couldn't have children biologically, so we waited a million years to adopt, and then we're able to raise our wonderful first daughter and then a son.
0: Mm, That's beautiful. So when you're growing up in a family that has a lot of dysfunction and, and trauma associated with it, and you're not having it modeled for you, healthy coping, responsibility, genuine, deep love in the form of healthy relationships, how do you learn those things when that's not modeled for you? Because I have a lot of very intentional moms listening who feel like they're doing their very best and they're striving to learn and they're striving to model and they're worrying they're worried about the smallest misstep. And that's far from what you experienced. And look at where you are. Right? So how did you learn those those skills and learn to go
1: beyond what your norm was? That's some really wise Um, perspective to throw in here you know I I think I had a lot of the same intentionality that commitment that tenaciousness I mean we had time with God every day as a family we went to church we had really healthy extended family I went to therapy 24-7 I had a lot of counseling that helped me my husband is a committed human who also has great intentionality saying all that, and this is the second part of of my story, you know, I became president of MOPs International Mothers of Preschoolers and served there for 20 years. And during the latter part of my tenure, my daughter, who was then a teen, became pregnant. And so in spite of my intentionality, stuff happens, you know, the scripts are rewritten. And so Jessica, I would say that That intentionality and that commitment is phenomenal, but there is also the reality of coming to the end of ourselves and facing what we can't control, which are the choices of others. I learned that I'm not responsible for my children's choices. I'm responsible for my response to their choices. And so as my my kids began to struggle in spite of our intentionality, in spite of our prayers, in spite of all that we did as a family to do it right, I fell and broke too. And I realized, you know what, I, I still came from a broken family. My second family fell and broke. And while that is a terrifying thing to say, and I don't want to diminish the pain of it because it was deeply painful as my son struggled as well with his issues. I discovered that brokenness isn't the end of life. In fact, it can be that thing which instead of disqualifying us, when we put it in the hands of Jesus, it can actually further qualify us to be meaningfully invested in the lives of others in our world. That I, there's, there's so much
0: there to unpack. And I think about feeling like the pieces are all broken and scattered and like they can never come back together, but they can and it's gonna look different. So how do you accept the looking different part? Because so many times we just wanna go back to normal, right? Right oh, now we're in, the, we're in the middle of a worldwide pandemic where it's like, we wanna go back to normal. That is unrealistic at this stage that we are in. There's going to hopefully evolve into a new normal, but how do we accept the new normal when we feel so scattered and broken?
1: Yeah, and I, I think a lot of our country, our world, has been making that transition. I'm glad you brought up COVID pandemic because it is a huge metaphor slash reality that we're all living through and we're all adjusting. It's the new script we've been given. And and I think one of the most important steps, and I'm going to give several here, is to face it. You know, face it, take it seriously. I mean, how we've looked at our country and, you know, states swing from complete denial and, you know, we'll just, you know, bust our way through this to people who are completely paranoid and go underground for the rest of their lives. You know, you know, face face the reality the best we can of the knowledge we have before us, whether it's COVID or our kids needs. Do they have a diagnosis? Do they have a medical need? Do they have a spiritual need? Do they have a, a psychological need, a mental need? What else do they have? How's our marriage, et facing that reality? And then I think a lot of it has to do with grieving. Grieving what isn't going to be anymore. Grieving what's lost legitimately, and I've heard so many people talking about lament during this seasons of of grieving, you know, a legitimate sorrow that's not like this wham wham baby cry. It's a legitimate, I can't believe I don't get to go to the pool. I can't believe that I can't celebrate my child's birthday with party with his friends at monkey business. I can't believe, you know, that I can't even go shopping and, and get, you know, a a package of steaks because they're not on the the shelves right now. And it's my, our anniversary, whatever to to grieve, to grieve. And then I think we we pick ourselves up and give ourselves permission to be different, to Mm. be different as we go forward.
0: Right. And we don't get to choose how other people grieve either. So like, it's sure. one thing to be able to process it for ourselves, but as a daughter who has disappointed her mother in the past as well, I have taken on so much of the burden of managing her emotions and making sure she's okay, oh. while I'm also trying to grieve and grapple and figure out something that I've never experienced before. And she had never experienced what she, her life experience either. So, there's that symbiotic relationship of figuring it out for yourself and also giving others the permission to also walk their path, even when it's done kind of stumbling along. We're all just kind of stumbling along, aren't
1: we? We are. I used to joke, and I still do, that do you know that God gives babies? To people who have never been parents before, every <laughs> single time. I'm like, you know, what is he thinking? <laughs> he could give them to the grandparents because we're awesome. You know, we kind of <laughs> get it by now. But, you know, he gives it to the inexperienced newbies every time. And and that's kind of how it is. I really like that that hint that you gave in, in your own Spaghetti mesh bowl of work, Jessica, of untangling your feelings from your mom's. And I think when we're in our early parenting years, that is a lot of the work that we have to do as women and then as wives and then as mothers or partners and then as mothers, you know, how do we untangle who I am and define, differentiate who I am compared to who my mom is? And how do I do that without nullifying her feelings? or nullifying my feelings? How do we hold them both in in balance or hold them both and even just look at them? And, and I love how you just described that because as we're adjusting to the new normal, we still have to attend to ourselves. We still have to pay attention to what, what am I now? And I love that, Jessica. I think it's a, that's a huge part of our work in, in the season of early mothering and middle mothering. I really think there's no accelerating that process. Well, therapy accelerates it a little bit
0: because then you can really kind of put language to it or things like that and have that that third party help you through. Or maybe
1: get you unstuck. Maybe.
0: Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. But I think yeah. so much is just time. Time proving that you will survive anything. Every morning you wake up, you have a hundred percent success rate of enduring the day before right? Every single day. And sometimes we just feel like we can't possibly do another day. This is going to take us. And we do when we choose to keep going, right? And so as a very prominent mother leading in mops, being the example to all these other mothers looking to you to do everything just right, did you feel that mantle of responsibility? And did you feel the inevitable shame it comes with a child making a decision that goes against really what you're, you're talking about and what you're modeling for other people and how did you resolve through that because
1: I know you did. I was very hesitant when I first received the invitation to just apply to become the first president of MOPS. You know, it was it's, MOPS was a grassroots organization. Around 15 years before I ever put my my hand on the wheel, and I remember when I got that call, "Would you be interested in applying for this?" I was like, "Are you kidding me? You know, don't you know the kind of family I come from? You know, the alcoholic mom, the divorce family. You know, I've never even been pregnant. My kids were three and five, but you know, I was adoption mom, a mom through adoption, and." I thought, whack-a-doodle, you know, and yeah, I doubled up my therapy sessions, of course, and I found myself in the grocery store one day just going, God, you can't possibly want to use me for this, and it was like he just, his spirit just nudged me, look at all the other moms around me, you know, and back in the day, it's been 30 years now, back in the day, you know, they had ponytails, today'd it be a messy bun, they had sweatpants, today'd be yoga pants, you know, same <laughs> thing, though, same thing, the kids, you know, crawling out of the carts, and and God just kind of nudged me and goes... Look at them. Look at they have the same swiss cheese holes in their soul that you do. And what I sensed is that God was asking me to put my deficits in his hands and let him make them my offering. And, you know, then and there I just I created it's the only way I could have done it, a platform of vulnerability of transparency of we none of us knows what the poop we're doing we will figure this out together and that's where i served for 20 years so consequently when my family fell and broke and i'm using air quotes here when i went a direction i didn't expect you know god was incredibly gracious when it was the appropriate time to share they immediately shared it with our board of directors and you know what their response was? It was amazing. I'm like, do you need me to step down? Here's my daughter who's pregnant, you know, I'm the president. And they said, why in the world would we want you to step down when your daughter is now going to be a mother of preschoolers? You're going to understand even better how to lead this movement. What grace. And so then when it was an appropriate time to share with the audience, what was happening, I again received grace. Yes, I was humiliated. Yes, I was ashamed. But you know what? We all are. And and, and God helped me tease apart, too, that this is the ugly part. I I wasn't above messing up just because I had not ticked certain boxes, you know, or I had ticked certain boxes as a mom. God began to show me gently, Elisa, you're proud. No, you're not your mom. No, you're not your daughter. And look how proud you are that you're not. So as I began to embrace that that my missteps were no better than anybody else's missteps. You know, I he had to do a three to five work on the topic of shame in my life and, and understanding you know, shame really is not of God. Shame is really of the enemy. You know, what's of God is guilt, godly sorrow that leads us to repentance and, and changes us. That's what Paul writes in Second Corinthians, you know, shame it leads to death and we don't need to carry shame and that's become a, a great indicator like an indicating light on your dashboard something's wrong when I dip into shame under the weight of it going I am fill in the blank you know bleh, today and look at that instead and say no you know I've done some things wrong but God sees me through Jesus He sees all of us through Jesus and he sees us as redeemed. That's what he died to give us access to is is new life And, and the ability to know that we're loved no matter what, no matter what. So I live in that. Hey everyone, wanted to interrupt one last time and thank another
0: show sponsor and that is Red Aspen. I have just stumbled upon the best new solution for your nails through Red Aspen and their press on nails. I know press on nails kind of have bad wrap overall. They're janky, they pop off, they're really thick and they look fake, right? Look like you have mannequin hands, not Red Aspen. If you go to redaspenlove.com slash extraordinary nails you can find the shop where you can order these press on nails online these are fantastic quality nails that last 10 to 14 days and you'll see a wide array of colors and patterns I love their rainbow nails I'm currently wearing Camila's conga line which just make me feel so happy and especially while nail salons are closed and to be honest I wasn't spending the money on getting my nails done anyways but I've always loved the look this is the answer to getting your perfect home manicure. You can literally put these press on nails on in 20 minutes tops and for a pack of nails that's between $13 and $17 and you can reuse them, you cannot beat the price professional nails that look like you got a manicure at the nail salon but you did them yourself i really want you to try press on nails through red aspen again that's redaspenlovecom slash extraordinary nails and i am your rep if you have any questions feel free to reach out to me and let me know what colors you get tag me if you take any pictures of your cute nails because you are going to love this you're welcome for this manicure tip tears in my eyes.
1: (laughs) I'm a little preachy today, girl, but I I know how the shame can just kill us and it it breaks God's heart. Mm -hmm. It
0: can. And what I've learned throughout my motherhood journey is there's discomfort either way. There's discomfort from feeling shame and there's, there's discomfort from working through something and staying safe for your kids and being loving to your kids, even when they're throwing the tantrum in the middle of the store, even when they get pregnant at 16, even when they choose the route of substance abuse, even when they do fill in the blank, because we all have it, right? When we're willing to step in and choose the discomfort that is going to move the needle in our family, that's going to bring the pieces back together instead of make us walk out all over those broken pieces. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, that is a different yeah. life. That is a different life. So if we can focus on your daughter just a little bit, I cannot imagine being that scared 16 year old. How did you empower her to feel like there was grace extended to her? She had options and she would continue to be loved in spite of
1: this, this thing. You know, I'd love for her to answer that, yeah. honestly, but um, as I look back on it, there were so many layers. We were losing the dream. She was a state-ranked Olympic swimmer, and we were losing that dream. She, she had dropped out of school. It was just, uh, you know, So we were losing all of that. Um, then she was trying to make the decision, would she relinquish or parent the child? And so her dad and I tried to map out with her financially what it would take to live and support. And we together realized it would take her eight years of living with us in order to be ready to live on her own, which was a big element in her making the decision to relinquish, which killed her. Adopted children who have children are not crazy about relinquishing children. So there was such a layered work in her heart. She, uh, and I tell this entire story in my book, The Beauty of Broken, if people are resonating here um, and want to know more, but she ended up actually having an emergency C-section when her son was 27 weeks. So the decision came fast upon us all. Um, it, It really was such a traumatic season of life. And she knew immediately that she could not also care for him. Um, as she really wanted to, his medical needs. And he's fine today. He's 20 years old. But um, it, it, was not, it was not a predicted scenario for a, a teenager, a child, to parent a child in that. I, I guess if I was going to answer your question about how did I show grace and stuff, we stayed with her. You know, we lived with her. Um, he didn't have adopted parents for about five months. He was in the NICU. And so Evan and myself and my daughter, we parented. Him, even though we she had made the decision to relinquish. We went, we sat, we held, we loved, we fed, we were there until God provided someone else. And you know, I, I think in the 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 aftermath of it all too, of how does she get her feet back on the ground? And can I just be honest, it didn't go great. It didn't she made a lot of other choices that I was like, What? After all we've done for you, you know, this part of me comes out. And again, the stories in the book, The Beauty of Broken. Um, but I guess I'll just say this. It's been 20 years, and we are very close. I think she's had to do her work to separate from me and from her dad appropriately. She's married, and she has uh, a 16-year-old and a 5-year-old. Um, but we're still there, and I, I think that's just what I'd say to anybody who's listening and struggling with this, to stay, to stay. Every time I tell this story, every time, there are women my age and up to 20 years longer who, who come up to me and say, oh my gosh, I feel like you just told my whole life, but you did it out loud on a platform, and I've never told a soul. And I think that is what my heart breaks for the most, is that we carry these pains alone, thinking we're the only ones. When in reality, every single person around us is broken they're just trying to figure out a way to patch enough glue guns together to be presentable to get through, you know?
0: (laughs) Oh, 100%. We all have something. And I think I love that analogy of the iceberg, but there's so much more underneath than what you're seeing. And so much of the choices she was making after and those behaviors were exhibiting something so much deeper. And when we can give grace for those deeper things that they're experiencing, and to acknowledge our own deeper things that are beneath us, right? And you still striving to have that perfect family and then probably leaning more towards trying to keep it together, keep it together. We're not this family, right? And those are just our natural tendencies that, oh, it's it's so hard. And whether your kids are toddlers or teenagers or even grown adults, I think when when they're bucking the system and when they're going against how we want them to behave, our tendency is to kind of lash out and correct. Um, and, and that is the furthest thing from what they need in those moments. When we're able to stay safe and feel like they can come back around to us when they're ready and giving it space to teenagers. I mean, I don't, I'm not there yet. So I don't know how you did it or how I will do it. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: don't know. You know what? You know what I'm noticing? Um, and maybe this will help somebody who's listening and in, in this spot. Uh, she has a teenager. And once in a while, she'll say to me, he's a great kid. Oh, my gosh, he's a great kid. Once in a while, she'll say to me, oh, I'm just so embarrassed about something that's Uh happening. Uh And I think to myself, you're embarrassed. (laughs) I just want to remember. I get to be embarrassed. And it makes me wonder, what is it that embarrasses us in our children's choices? And I thought a lot about, I think it's when we assume they're reflecting our choices. And they're not our choices. They're their choices. And so each time I put my toe in that, and I'm a million years old now, I go, hmm, okay, what is this really about for me? And when I do that separation work, instead of going, well, you shouldn't feel that way, which is what we tend to want to do, then I can react to grace. You know, if I could just be gracious to myself, Elisa, why are you so embarrassed? Because I wanted to make a perfect family. Well, you didn't. Well, I know that's because it's impossible. Well, bless your sweetheart, Elisa. Look at the pain beneath that desire. Let me just love you here. Can you just know that you're loved here? When we can do that kind of self-care, and that sounds so, you know, positive thinking or whatever, but it's just loving ourselves as, as we love others. It's just what Jesus told us to do. It's just letting him love us, by the way. When we do that, we are filled back up in such a way that we can look at our children and see them as truly separate from us making their own way rather than making our way for us.
0: I love that so much. And I feel like, again, that takes time to get there. And so as a new mom being handed a baby for the very first time and you're two days into parenting, like I think we (laughs) we feel like we're supposed to have it all figured out because we have this enormous responsibility and zero training I have like never even thought of that. Like out of all the ways God could have brought children into the world and all the people he could have like gifted them to, like young, naive women, like what on earth? (laughs) (laughs) But how do you believe and how do you retain the knowledge that you have it all within you? I believe like everything we need to know is all within us. Like we're an old soul deep within. And even when we're young, it's just a matter of getting getting back to that and finding that within us. And we're gonna take some missteps, but with each misstep, it's kind of peeling off a layer, right? And it's that refining process. So how do you trust in your own instincts and, and believe that your kids were meant for you, especially as an adoptive mom, right? I mean, when you walk into some of these challenges, you believe that your children are right for you. I believe that every child is sent to the family they're supposed to be in, regardless of how they come through adoption, biologically, it doesn't matter. So how did you maintain that 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 knowing within you? Yeah, I'm
1: gonna share two things. Um, one is, and nobody tells you this, but if you adopt a child, there is a difference between birthing a child and adopting a child. Now, I don't know the birthing side because I've never done that but I know the adoption side and I remember waiting for our children for four and a half years, waiting and waiting and waiting. And I remember praying one night, Lord, I just can't wait to have this baby and just make up for everything that he or she has missed, you know, because they'd be however many weeks old. And and i felt very clearly in my heart, God saying, by the time that child is placed in your arms, he or she will already have experienced the greatest wound of their life. There is a core wound. That we can't heal. There is a reality that as adopted moms we're going to look into our baby's eyes and we're not going to see us mirrored back the same way a biological mom will see a mini me. Those are not horrible things. Those are real things. And I really believe as you just said Jessica that God perfectly places children in the homes and parents that he wants for them. I remember when my daughter was about, oh, I think three and a half and my, my son was an infant and I had put her down and him down. And I was so looking forward to a break. You know how you do. Mm -hmm. And I get into my own little bed. My husband's out at a meeting and I'm like, Oh, thank goodness. I can watch ER back in the day and have some (laughs) Diet Coke and popcorn and just chill. You know? And I hear this mommy down the hall and I'm like, and monster mom pops out. And I made my way down the hall, and she wanted a drink, another book, you know, go potty again, more of me. And I didn't have any more to give. I was on empty, and I was so mad. And I didn't think I handled it very well, which I didn't. And I got back in bed after turning her outer mind again, and I just prayed, God, won't you just please take this child and raise her for me? I'm going to ruin her. And he was just like, sure, you know, do you, do you trust me? And I'm like, sure, you're God. And he's like, well, do you trust me to see her through some kind of a horrible illness? Well, yeah, you're the divine physician, you know? And do do you trust me to decide if she's going to be married or single? Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you just trust me how to school her? And the last question was, do you trust me to pick the very best mother for who she will become? And you know what? That became a mantra for Mm -hmm. me. She was three. And I held on to that truth when she was 12, when she was 13. And you better doggone believe it when she was 16, having an emergency C-section with a 27-week-old baby. I was the mom for her. Me, who would never been pregnant before, I was the mom for her. Me, who was the president of moms, I was the mom for her. So, yeah, I think, you know, what you're talking about in terms of the inner core of who you are, let God speak to you there. He, he, Jesus promised before he ever went to the cross to his closest disciples, I am not. I have to leave you, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send a comforter. And the person of the Holy Spirit wants to live in us. We don't have to do mothering alone. He'll help us. And I think that's what resurrected those little bites, all those ones I've been sharing, those little knowledges, those nudges, those you don't have to do this alone, Elise. I'm right with you. And it comes in the moment when we need it, if we listen.
0: And that kind of sparked an idea in my mind about this colorblind conversation that we're having in our world right now and how we're learning that, I mean, I was taught we're not supposed to see color, right? We're supposed to treat everybody equally. And I thought that was all good and well. And now we're being more educated to realize, no, like that's ignorant to say, I don't see your color and to acknowledge that's not a factor not that we should discriminate against people of different colors than us or different circumstances than us, but to acknowledge that as part of who they are and a part yeah. of who they become and everything like that. And in the same way, adoption has certain aspects that are part of who they are and denying that you know a biological child versus an adopted child has any difference at all is kind of denouncing just what is true. And so I love that that you said that because I do think whether it's special needs and saying, you know, like not wanting to see what's right in front of you and acknowledge the differences because we're afraid of our kids being different. When we can acknowledge that we all have differences and and celebrate them for the unique creation that we have been sent here according to God's specific will. I mean, down to the very place where we live and the time that we're born and the family we're born into and the circumstances we're born into. I mean, I mean, then you also grapple with, well, why are kids born into certain circumstances that are just tragic, right? And that's, right. that's a whole other conversation. Right. But when we can see that and value that and believe in that higher order, we can dig our heels even deeper that, yep, that is my daughter, regardless mm-hmm. of her choices. That is my son, regardless of his choices, right? Yeah.
1: We're all all preachy
0: today, at least. And look at me. I'm not usually (laughs) this like, (laughs) woohoo! But I just I just We're getting each
1: other all stoked up. Yeah. yeah.
0: I feel that so deeply within my soul. And yet there's some nights when I lay my head down and I'm thinking, Am I enough? Do you still have those am I enough moments? Or are you beyond that? Oh, yeah, I'm done.
1: Yeah. No. <laughs> I'd like to say that if you pulled our family out of the oven like you would a bunch of muffins and put a toothpick in it and pulled out the toothpick, you'd go, ew, little gooey in the middle. Let's put that puppy back in a little bit longer. And that's the reality. I mean, now I'm learning how to parent adult children. Mm-hmm. And you don't do it the same you don't share here's your 59 things you're doing wrong and you know, it's the way to do it. Right. You know, you listen and you support and you stay available and <laughs> there's other ways to do it. But so, yeah, I don't think we're ever done. If we were done, I'm fond of saying we'd be dead. So we're yeah. not. <laughs> as long as we have another
0: day, it's another day to learn mm-hmm. to grow and to enjoy what's right in front of you. Right. Yeah. Well, right. Lisa. Oh, this has just been so inspiring, empowering, and just, gosh, you have been a lot of places in your life, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. you probably mm-hmm. thought like, oh, another thing, another thing, right? You kind of get surprised when there's another challenge around the corner, especially when you go through big ones, right? Yep. And so yep. how would you say that motherhood
1: has changed who Elisa is at her core? I'm dependent. Mm-hmm. I'm dependent on on God. I know I can't do it by myself. You just talked about how around the corner is always something we don't expect. I didn't expect at my age to start a new venture with our daily bread. Uh, we're, we're doing a podcast. Yeah. Tell me about that. Go called, ahead and tell about yeah, that. Yeah. Called God hears her. God hears her. And, and I didn't expect to do that. And I'm dependent, totally dependent. And I think the whole title of it is indicative. You know, God hears her. I, I all of us wonder, does he really you know i don 't always feel that and you're describing these moments where he actually talks to you is that a loud, audible voice and what i'm what we're able to unpack in our podcast is how does God hear you, and what difference does it make because I think the core need which you're underlining Jessica, is that women basically in our hearts, we feel unseen, unheard, unnoticed, unloved. Mm-hmm. And when we can understand that the God of the universe, not only made us, but he's listening to us and he's looking at us and he's noticing us and he loves us, that gives us a whole different place to to parent from, to live from. And one one of the things I love about this is that God has paired me with a co-host. Her name is Erin Eddy, E-R-Y-N, Eddie, E-D-D-Y. She's, let's see, 30 years younger than me, at least a little more than 30 years younger than me. We met a year ago when they put us in front of mics and we are like, I don't even know how to describe it, just simpatico. The chemistry that happened, it's just crazy connected. And I, I love coming out coming at the topic of women needing to be seen and heard and loved together from a generational perspective. So it's kind of like what you and I are doing right now, yeah. Jessica. You know, I'm a different season than you. And yet when we come together, we teach each other. We help each other. We, we raise up the shades on the windows in our lives. And we say, take a peek in here. You know, what do you see? How can I grow this? And so the podcast, God Hears Her, it is helping us do that. Sometimes we have guests. You know, fancy folks like Philip Yancey or Margaret Feinberg, or you know, whatever. And sometimes it's just Erin and myself chatting, but it's real stuff. It's real stuff.
0: That is so cool. And I think as much as sometimes we think around about like, oh, we don't know what's around the next corner. And we usually think about it in terms of challenges. Look at what was around the corner for you. Like look yeah. at the the cool thing. Like you've been married forty one years. If yeah. if you had been told you're you know. Early married self, someday you'll be a podcaster. You'll be like, What is that? <laughs> like, someday you'll be listening on a smartphone. You're like, What is that? Right. I'm not trying to date you, but like, just legitimately, there are things ahead for all of us that we cannot imagine. And there's going to be hard things, but there will also be the most unexpected, glorious blessings and opportunities that we can ever imagine. And as a young mom, I think we feel like time is ticking to get to those things. Right. We're ready to you know, get back to work or ready to move on to the next season or be out of diapers or we weren't ready to move, move, move. But there's time for most of us. There is there's time for that. And there's enough time for everything God wants you to accomplish. So I think that's really inspiring, Elisa.
1: And you said it well a couple of times, and I think it may, must be one of your mantras, um, Jessica. You, you can't get there until you get there. Yeah. We live to the next place. We don't jump to it. We don't astro project to it. We live to the next place in life. There's no other way to get there but just to get there. Yeah, that is so cool. So, okay,
0: so we have the podcast. And where else can people find you? Again, tell people where they can find your book and anywhere else
1: you are. Sure, sure, sure. So, morgan dot com will show you all my books and all my ministry efforts and where I speak and et cetera. If we're ever allowed to speak outside of oh, Zoom again, yes. one day we will. Yeah. <laughs> one day we will. And then, if you want, you can also. And then, if you want, you can also go to godhearsher.org um, and that's where you'll find the, the podcast platforms. Please rate us and review us. It helps us reach more women just like this wonderful podcast does too.
0: Yeah, it certainly does matter a lot. And it, when you're consuming free content and you're enjoying it so much, it is such an easy free gift for you to give the podcaster that's putting so much love and effort into this. And so that would um, mean a lot to to all the podcasts you listen to. That's amazing. Elisa, I just want to give you a big hug. I feel like we would be okay. great friends. I hope you felt the simpatico between us <laughs> as well, because I just think you are delightful and inspiring. I always ask my guests one final question, Elisa, and it's this. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self?
1: It's okay to not know what to do. It's okay. And you don't have to mother alone. Lean into the help that God's providing for you. In himself because he sees you and he loves you and he hears you because you're his
0: at first when you said that i thought there's probably moms listening who feel alone like they don't have like a mom tribe right and then i was thinking okay a there's like mops so there's probably a mops in your area mothers of preschoolers so you can get involved with that but realizing you are truly never never alone with God on your side. So even when you move to a new place or you have that first newborn baby, it's the middle of the night and it feels like the longest night of your life, you're never alone. You're not. But also it's good to find some other moms to be able to support you as well in person.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) And those can be true (laughs)
0: angels, can't they? (laughs) That's right. Oh, Elisa, thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks for sharing your story and to your kids for allowing their stories to be shared as well. They're helping a lot of people um, through Mm. their journeys as well. So thanks so
1: much for sharing
0: today and for chatting with me.
1: You're so welcome. I forgot to say I have a blog. It's called Really. You can find that on my website and sign up for it. But the other thing is that I love to platform new women's voices. So if you're a writer, be in touch with us. There's guidelines for writing. So just, Wonderful. We'd like to stay in touch that
0: Oh, way. that's awesome. Very cool. Okay, we'll put all this in the show notes at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. Thanks, Elisa. Have a right. great day.
1: Right. Bye, Jessica. Take care.
0: How much do you love Alisa Morgan? Oh, isn't she fantastic? I love talking to moms that are a season beyond where I am. It really helps me gain a new perspective where I haven't gained life experience in those seasons yet, but it can kind of help me to reverse engineer where I want to go. If I want to have a great connection with my teenagers, what do I need to be doing now to build those communication and those foundational relationships with my kids so they become trusting, communicative teenagers? If I want my kids to be children of faith, what does that look like now? And then if I want them to be Adults of faith, what does that look like, right? And so thank you so much to Elisa for sharing her journey. And it's just so, so powerful when people share their stories and especially the lessons that they've learned. And that's the whole point of this podcast. Everything we talked about today involving Elisa will be linked at extraordinarymomspodcast.com. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at JessicaDollQuiz3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Again, if you want to check out those pretty nails, the link is in my Instagram bio, profile, whatever, and I would love for you to check that out as well. So thanks so much for tuning in today, everybody, and we will see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.